Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadou. Tonight I'm here with... Akosia Ochre. And coming up over the next 90 minutes, workers of Tema Oil Refinery Tour divided over a new plan to lease a company out for six years. Tonight we delve into the problems of the state oil refinery and ask if this plan is a solution. Also coming up after days of back and forth, Charles Bissu and his invitation to the Office of Special Prosecutor will tell you what happened. And later on Eyewitness News, James Jachi Kwesin allowed by the High Court to absent himself in order to allow him campaign for next Tuesday's by-election in his home constituency of Asin North. Stay with 97.3 CTFM for more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News and in business. Services and agri sectors push Ghana's economy to expand by 4.2% in 2023 quarter one. That's in 50 minutes from the business desk of CTFM and City TV. Eyewitness News is live across Ghana on a number of affiliate stations, including on Jirapa FM 96.1 in Jirapa, on Tungsun 97.3 FM in Wa, also on Quality 88.7 FM in Garu, on Radio Bimbila, 91.9 FM in Bimbila. In Hohoe, on VOV Radio, 95.7. In Tajevu, on Revival, 99.3 FM. We are also in Kumasi, on Orange, 107.9 and Focus, 94.3 FM. In Sunyani, we are on Greener, 95.9 FM. In Takradi, we are on Sky Power, 93.5 FM and Beach, 105.5 FM. We are also in Takwa, on Adrianpa, 100.7 FM. You can join the discussion by sending your messages on 0549-986-996. Send tweets using the hashtag City Newsroom. We are live on citynewsroom.com. We are live on YouTube and we are live on Facebook. Let's start off with the Tate Oil Refinery, Tema Oil Refinery, which is sitting in Tema, but which has been a subject of controversy for decades. A story that has come into the new space is sourcing Bright Simmons of Imani, Africa. And the story says government is quietly leasing tour to a shadowy group in a $22 million shady deal. Now, workers of the Temao refinery are divided over this. There's a group that is backing the decision of the government to allow a strategic investor into the operations of the company. Another group is saying no. The company that is supposed to um, be having, the company that is involved in this lease agreement with Tor is Torrentco, and it is to invest some $22 million into the operations of Tor. But civil society groups, including Imani, are saying that it will not be in the interest of Ghana. Let's hear from workers of the company who are supporting this deal. Bright Adongo. Is chairman of the Tor Senior Staff, that's the Oil Refinery Senior Staff Workers Union. Mr. Dongo, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you so much. First of all, 
we've heard this from Imani Africa. We've called Tor. The management has not agreed to grant us an interview or give us any information whatsoever on the deal. But Imani Africa's Bryce Simmons and other CSOs have been talking about it. As workers of the company, have you been briefed by management on what exactly the deal is? Okay, so um, we, we, we've not been briefed only by management. In fact, we've engaged all the stakeholders in this process. We've engaged SIGA, we've engaged the energy ministry, we've engaged the transactional advisors, we've engaged the board and all that. So, so, what do you, what, so what do you know about this deal? Oh, this partnership, you see, the, 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 the government and the board have opened up for a private-public uh, uh, partnership, okay? So it's gone through a process of dating, and then it was selected, and then it's also gone through the stakeholder system. It has a transactional advisor and all that. So... I mean, the essence of this deal is that look, government is not giving any sovereign guarantee to anybody that will partner this uh, refinery because what it means is that whatever debt you incur, uh, you, you you need to carry the, the debt with yourself. And then government is also not giving a school buyout. And government is also not giving any capital investment into the plant. So the essence of this partnership and this lease agreement, one, is to give them some level of managerial control to be able to make the right decision, to be able to bring the refining to profitability. Because after all, you are not going to be given any sovereign guarantee. So, you know, the petroleum industry is a capital intensive. And so if you are going to do significant investment, then you must be able to have the right to make the right decisions in order to recover your money. So that is why these 22 million, they are looking at investing to make sure that we deal with the challenge of product accounting. We've been having product accounting issues since time in Omoria. And then we've also been having challenges with our tanks. Out of the 59 tanks that we have, 20 of them is out of service. The, the $22 million is supposed to also help invest in the boilers and get the plant running efficient. And this will be also looking at bringing the natural gas, which will lower the cost of operations and all that. So the essence of this transaction is that Tor historically have run tolling with Woofos, we incurred $10 million loss. We've run with BP, we incurred about $28 million loss. We've, we've run with uh, other uh, entities, government even crude and all that. All the transactions that cross board have made significant losses. So the essence of this transaction is to be able to put the company on the path of profitability. Uh, Tor should not just run, but it must run profitably. It is only then that it is sustainable. So that is the idea about this transaction. And I believe it's going through the stakeholders. They look at all the issues. And the crux of the matter is that this is a lease agreement. It is not sale. And at the end of the of the lease period, the asset returns back to the to, to the government. And we believe that at that moment they would have brought it on the path of so all what you've said now suggests one thing that the management of poor at all is a problem and so there needs there's a need for a change in management um what i would say is that well, I just think all problem is a management problem that one i won't share with you because if you come to the enclave here all the depots here 
which are privately managed, are doing well. With the exception of the refinery business and then the storage business in here. Historically, we have never shied away that we think that small is having a problem with management. <laughs> you get it. And so this particular partnership, one way or the other, will give them access to be able to have managerial control, to make the right decisions for the company to turn around. Things that people cannot do at the private depot. You come here and people do it. The, the question is that why? You get it. So we need a paradigm shift. We, we are tired of the refinery story, always. If we have a business and it's profitable, it is sustainable. Okay, so that at least so can deliver its mandate to the, to the, to the, to the, to the nation. Now, when a change of management happens, the idea is that the new management would have a new direction and purpose. That new direction and purpose may include a new staff. If this new management takes over under this lease agreement and they decide to fire all of you and bring their own workers because they would believe that management is not the only problem but also the attitude of staff is a problem which we have heard in various quarters what would be your attitude to that has that been discussed the the, the status of workers so so in the first place let me put it this way you know as we sit here as a refinery we are losing most of our engineers and our technicians to Middle East and then Bangladesh. Uh, in fact, we are almost hitting about 80% of Exodus. Okay? So, as we stand here, if, if the new partners take over, they rather have to employ, even though you cannot run the plant. If you are getting it. I find that we do know that the partnership is such that they, they, they want to have this exchange program with refineries outside where workers will go and then train and the other staff also come here and train and build the capacity. So, you, you, in fact, the most important aspect of any modern organization is the quality of your human resource. That is why these refineries in the Middle East will be coming for our people. So if you have that experienced worker, why would you fire him? Because after all, that is what they have put you on. So you rather want to augment staff and then to be able to deliver even though you can't even run the plan. Okay? But I think the key thing that must be emphasized is the managerial control. That I think that some of the people at the top there are not really happy. But the point is that at a point in time, certain things need to give up. And then the right things must be done. If not, we'll have the refinery collapsing under our hands. We have a refinery, we have RFCC that for over 15 years have not been able to run. We are losing the assets. As I'm talking to you now, we are trying to put nitrogen into the plant to more bore the RFC. If not, we'll lose the plant. We have we have boiler eight that we brought in as of now we've not been able to commission. So the asset is rotting away. And as it stands now, if if we don't move faster to get this thing approved, look, I can tell you before maybe whatever they want to do, before it can maybe there's no work having to run the plant. Okay. So for 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 the worker and the worker interest, that one critically decides that if you look at the whole program, uh, I, for almost about five years, some workers have never gotten any salary adjustment. Our PF have not been paid to the tune of about 40 million Ghana This transaction will enable us to be able to go to table to adjust our salary, to be able to draw PF and all that. So 
for me, it's, it's, it's rather to the beneficiary of, of labor rather than the other opposite. Okay, so that, that is the crack of the matter. Now, this $22 million that is going to be injected, what if government, you know, injected that $22 million so that it continues to run as Ghana owned? Because you know the issue of patriotism comes up. Uh, when the sale of Ghana Telecom came up in 2007, it was one of the big issues at the time. Even though this is not going to be a sale, it will still amount to foreign management. And for that matter, it will not be a Ghana-managed company. People will raise alarm over that. How do you respond to that? That let the government rather do the injection of the money and save the company, because the government company anyway, than to give it to a third party who is coming from abroad. Okay, so uh, I think they, let me put it this way. You know, the government historically have turned money, money into talk. There was a time we were giving uh, $67 million dollars. We sold part of the CBM after a raised $94 million. And so, you know, $94 million is quite a lot compared to $22 million. But as of now, if you ask what do they have to show, it will become a problem. Okay. So what we are saying is that there is a funny problem. It's not just capital injection. <laughs> okay. It's a series of problems reading for management problems. Okay. Then from the, the the way you manage the crude oil purchases and the way you put certain investments where it matters. Okay? Like I, I did say, if, if you are in a, a private depot just uh, behind here, there are certain things you cannot do there, but certain things you come here you can do. So we believe that this also includes culture in terms of work and, 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 and the implementation of change management, okay, to be able to make sure that we get it right. But I believe that all the money government has brought here and not a person has returned to the government. If you are a government actor and you are making a decision, okay, you push money somewhere, you push some money somewhere, and it's not returned. Are you not going to have a second thing? In any case, you see, the essence of all this thing is that before the elite period expires, we are expecting that we should return back to profitability. In that case, our engagement with government is that. Can you reduce your your your, your stake from majority status to minority status onto the Ghana stock exchange so that only Ghanaians will buy? So that when dividend and profit are declared, it will go to boost the economy. So I believe that if that should be able to satisfy the, the, the localization uh, 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 mentality. And I think it, it would have helped everybody. Today, we are looking at Goyle. Goyle used to be under government. And Goyle was just a buy and sell. Today, look at the profit Goyle is delivering. Look, Goyle has now moved into oil block. They have the fabricating plant. Naturally, Thor should have expanded to those areas. So you build your crude oil, you bring it, you process it. And Thor could have even moved into the downstream and have this uh, tomorrow refining filling station. It would have been a fantastic idea because that's what happened in South Korea. They, they take the upstream, middle stream, and downstream. Then they enjoy a lot of value across the chain. So that, that is what we are looking at. Now, the last issue that I'll raise before I hear other views is the issue of what Ghana stands to benefit. So for you, the company will be managed in a better way 
and improve production and all of that. In terms of money, how are we going to benefit as a country and why do you think we should take that offer? Okay. So, uh, on a number of fronts, Ghana will be paying, uh, for the first time, we'll be paying the least uh, amount per year. Okay. Two, you would have been able to rescue an asset which is almost running to a crash. Okay. Aside that, you would have been able to put a plant into production. What it means is that your petroleum import bill is going to be halved. And if, if, if the implication of halving the petroleum import bill relative to the dollar stabilization and it finding its way into the prices of ordinary goods and services dollar in Ghana, it means a lot. Aside that, if, if, if you have a refinery that you are processing, okay, it gives you a certain security. If, if some certain things happen somewhere, there are wars and other things, and then you cannot get the finished product. The question is that what happened? Okay. So at least you get a refinery running. And you know that, oh, I can bring my crude oil from, from, the, from the Ghana field and turn it and get my economy working. So the benefit is enormous, security-wise, economic-wise. And it, it makes sense you are keeping jobs and all that. Okay. So it, it makes sense on every level to, to the government. And when they are done... And and they would have underrun. They have they would have run down the company. Who is going to take care of that? If they came and broke down some equipment, some of the vital installations we have, this is a national security place. Don't 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 forget that. And and they said, okay, we are done. It's six years. We are going. Are you sure so, that would be better off? As uh, the plan to be better off? Okay, so let me put it this way: if if you are to run the plant down. Definitely, then the plant cannot deliver the same profitability that you want. Because if you are private man, profit motive is there. So your intention is to fix those items that need to be fixed. And so if, if you break them down, how will the plant down? The, the plant will be down and you'll be losing money every, every day that the plant is down. Okay? So obviously, I don't see a private man who wants to take over facility and done significant investment and he will want to ask it where break an item or run the plant down, and then the plant will not be running, and he will be losing money. So obviously, a plant that will be running and delivering profitability, obviously at the termination point, cannot be said to be a plant that has broken down. It would have been a plant that is in a, in a good shape to be, continue to deliver profitability. Thank you for speaking to us, um, and we'll be, we'll be following this story keenly. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you. Thank you. That's Brett Adongo. He's chairman of the Tema Oil Refinery Senior Staff Workers Union. There's another group uh, that does not agree with the state of affairs. Uh, it's also a group of workers at Tema Oil Refinery. This particular person is not, well, the person we spoke to earlier is a union member. Uh, he's able to identify himself. This particular gentleman who represents a block says he will not identify himself, but they have some issues they want to share. You're welcome to Eyewitness News, sir. Thank you, sir. I just spoke to the union chairman for senior staff. He has explained how this deal is going to benefit the company. He has explained, for instance, that the injection that is going to be brought in, and I'm referring to the monetary injection, is going to really get the company uh, back on, on its feet, and that if there's a failure to intervene in the manner that the intervention is coming, it's likely that the whole company itself will collapse because... Uh, the picture doesn't look good. He says, for instance, because of lack of maintenance, your product storage tanks 
uh, only 20 out of 59 are in service. Salaries of workers have not been increased since five years ago. Uh, Tall workers are suffering. The company's failure to settle areas of workers' provident fund, which is in the region of 40 million cities, mass exodus of skilled staff to other refineries in the Middle East, huge indebtedness to utility service providers such as ECG and all of that. Do, do you not agree with this? Because we are told that you do not agree that the lease should happen. What's your contrary argument? Okay, first of all, thank you. Uh, I wish to clarify something here. No one is against tour partnering with another person so we can get we can get up our feet. No one is against that. However, what we are speaking against is our union members, our union leaders who are virtually using our mandate for selfish and parochial interests. And I would explain that. It, it, I listened to the chairman speak, and it was amazing because most of the things he's saying are new to me. And what I've read on Bite Simon's wall with regard to this so-called lease agreement, these guys are only interested in running CDU. How do you run CDU and claim that you will be profitable? It, 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 just, it just doesn't make sense, sir. These guys want to come in and only run CDU. They're not running RFCC with a lot, which we're hoping. What, are, what does CDU out. mean? That's a crude distillation unit, please. And the alternative is what? So the, so the alternative is you'd want to run CDU, run RFCC, so that at the end of the day, both plants will run optimally so that you can guarantee profitability. But stands now. You are telling me that someone is just coming to run CDU for six years and that will guarantee profitability. That's, that's a lie. Sorry to say that, but that's a lie. Why? But like I said, our issue is because the margins are very small. You don't you virtually make nothing. That is why. The margins are very, very small. Nobody runs just a CDU and makes profits. You can, you, can, you, can, you can find that out. But what would you like care? Said, if the company comes and says, we want to lease, we'll use it for six years. If they are going to run at a loss, that's up to them. What matters is that the state called Ghana would get what it ought to get from, from that company, no? No, that is not as simple as that, sir. It is not as simple as that. Because you're not just coming to run and say, if there's any loss or anything, trust me, it comes back to the refinery. You ask them, what what to our equipment? Look, we have a 20, 22 million euro, uh, what do you call it, furnace sitting idle as we speak, right? There's a boiler sitting idle as we speak. There are so many things that we need to do. For us, okay, maybe I need to make my point very clear here. I'm also a Unicorp member. And all we are saying is we have not given our leadership the mandate to be out there and, and sort of doing PR for a certain company that wants to come into a lease agreement with all. No. What we are saying is management should open itself up so that whatever companies that want to come in and bid, they put in their bids so that the best is selected so that at the end of the day, we know that due diligence, everything is done and done correctly so that we can all have our peace. What if this, is the, only, what if this is the only company that is making the offer? No other company is interested, so there will be no need for the MD, opening the it up. Letters, 
MD met us as workers in Adeba and he made it categorically clear that certain companies were coming in and are putting in their pits. So the question then is, why is the, the leadership of Unicorf out there sort of doing PR for these Torenko guys and doing whatever it is just to get them inside? Nobody understands why. And like I'm saying... What is, your, sus what is, your, what is your suspicion? I guess they are the only ones who, are, who, who, can, who, can, who can say that. But for us, we think it is for selfish and parochial interest because we don't understand why as union leaders, they are unable to meet with the workers and trumpet some of these things to us. Is it because they fear that they will be exposed? When you say us, it is almost as if group of workers against the union leaders. Are you saying that the chairman I just spoke to represents and speaks for only the executives and not necessarily the entire membership of workers of TOR? The chairman, to the best of my knowledge, speaks for and on behalf of Unicov members. And therefore, if he desires to go out there and do PR for a company, the, the least he could do is to talk to workers and seek our mandate. Let us understand that, look, guys, this is what is in for us as workers. Let us understand, let us appreciate, let the right questions be asked. But you don't go, up, you don't go out there and prefer to speak for workers when that is not the case. And that is our problem here. When was the last time you had a meeting with your leaders? Did you raise these issues? The last time we had, meet, we had a meeting with our leaders, it's interesting asking me, we were told that there, there is a supposed agreement which is, has to go through SIGA, it has to go through PPA, and so that is what uh, is, is there for now. Nobody has even given us any details with regards to what this whole so-called agreement is about. And the whole thing is, there are people amongst the, the, the Unicorp membership who are well-versed and understand some of these things better. So why don't we all sit and deliberate so that at the end of the day, we are all on the same platform? But you go out there and you are purporting to speak for me, whereas you've not even sought my knowledge, you've not even sought my, my, my input with regards to what this whole thing is about. I don't think it's fair to us. What about management of the company? Have you heard anything officially? Uh, the chairman has given me an information earlier suggesting that uh, they have not only heard from management, but also heard from all the interested parties in this, all the various stakeholders. You as the workers, I, have you been met uh, by management at which meeting the management told you what the torrent code deal is going to entail? Like I said, the MD has met workers. The MD held a debate. Yeah, that's what. But I'm just, that's the initial. I'm just asking on specific issues of Torrentco. Have you had any meeting with management or MD where he mentioned to you that this no. is what Torrentco is coming to do, and this is why we agree to give the the the, the no. deal to them? No, no. So it's surprising that now it's like uh, my union chairman is virtually, he virtually knows even more than the MD. So he's the one actually telling us this company is all about and all. It's it's it's, it's baffling. Honestly, it's What's the way forward for those of you who do not agree with the deal? For me, I think the union chairman should get off his high horse, meet with the members. For us, our interest is in tour working and working profitably, working efficiently. So if somebody is coming into the picture, it should be somebody who has a certain proven track record where we can all sit, because our problems are known. It's not, like, it's not like we don't know our problems. We know our problems. 
at the end of the day, what we need are solutions. So we should all sit and come together, have a certain, a certain, um, what do you call it, a certain path laid out. We have milestones. We all agree on what we want, and we move on. But for people to sort of, because they are, they happen to be in the, in the helm of affairs in terms of union leadership, speak as if they are speaking for workers just for selfish and parochial interest. That one, sorry, but you're not going to allow that. Has any due diligence... Has, has any due diligence been done on this Torrentco company? Is there anything you know about the company that makes you worry about letting this lease go through? I have seen something, to be honest with you. But it's not something I can speak to because at the end of the day, first of all, I don't know the source. And secondly, like I said, I just saw an executive summary. So it's not something I would really be comfortable speaking to. Very well. I believe there's there's more to it than just executive summit. So for that, I'll be grateful if we don't go there. That's fine. Let's leave it here then. Thank you so much for speaking to us. You're welcome, sir. Thank you, too. Thank you too. That's a worker of the Tema Oil Refinery, one of the workers who do not agree with the Torrent Code deal where uh, there's a plan, we are told, an advanced one at that, uh, to hand over the Tema Oil Refinery to a company known as Torrent under a six-year Lease. Um, number of people are opposed to that. Well, a number of other people are supporting same. The group that has issue uh, with what is happening includes a number of CSOs, such as the Africa Center for Energy Policy, um, ASEP. The executive director is Ben Boachi. Ben, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Um, as as persons who have interest in our energy sector and Tema Oil Refinery being a huge one. Uh, which has been a white elephant for some time now. Do you have full briefing of what the plan is with Torrentco and what are the issues out of there, which issues you think ought to be answered? Um, thanks for having me, man. I think, uh, I mean, I've seen the uh, draft agreement. Uh, I've seen the, some concerns raised by uh, some of the workers. And uh, I think... I mean, in principle, everybody who understands what has happened to Tor over the years would not necessarily oppose, uh, you know, any injection of private interest uh, into the operations of Tor. In fact, if you check our writings, we have actually made it clear that it was time that government divest private interest and allow, uh, you know, private capital to come. Uh, because uh, we speak on a yearly basis. Uh, the public is paying about 330 million uh, Ghana cities in the name of Tor, uh, in the name of Tor recovery uh, levy. And we have paid these sums uh, for the past 20 years, all right? And there is no end in sight. We don't know when we will stop paying that. So the earlier we find options to really restructure the operations of Tor, better it will be for every citizen. But that doesn't mean that, I mean, we just wake up and hand the company over to anybody that shows up uh, with interest without ensuring that that company is capable, has the resources, and can guarantee uh, the people of Ghana that they can actually manage the assets well. And the only way you can do that is to check the profile, the background of the company, what they have done before, if not even worked before, who are they partnering to be able to deliver value uh, for the good people of Ghana. And those partners, 
that they don't take any of the box. They don't have experience. Uh, they don't have any strong backing from uh, any reputable refinery or oil trader that allows them to convince government or, uh, or, or talk that they have the capacity to actually deliver money. Just like, you know, would, would, uh, would no, no disrespect to you, Maru. Omaru going to call and tell you that you can suddenly be a refiner, you have money. And then told that, okay, let me give you the, the, the job to do. When everybody knows that you're a journalist, all right? So, I mean, no governance expert will sit and say, this is a transaction above board. And how do you even determine that, you know, Torrenko is the one that is fit to be able to do? And that's why I find the contribution or the, the intervention of the uh, union chairman extremely interesting, where he says that, that is the option available. Uh, 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 and how that becomes the only option available, I don't really understand how he came by that. When you have not even put it up for anybody to bid for it or for others to express uh, uh in managing uh, tour for you to be able to do that. And even hearing from for the first time from the other guy on the call, I don't know who them, but he makes a very significant... Yeah, that, that is, he's a member uh, of Unicov, but he spoke on condition of anonymity, but he's a worker there. Yes, so... He makes the point that you're only leasing the the speed. Ben, I lost you briefly there. If you could repeat what you just said. Yes. So the point I was making is that you're only leasing the the CDU. Just a fraction of the entire uh, refinery uh, to this company. How do you use the other components? Of the refinery, which is the the RCC and the vessels, how do you use them? It means that the six years that that when you use the CDU, those other infrastructure will still be lying idle without utilizing them, and that's also our asset, our resources. And if we can find an investor that can use the entire infrastructure, why do you lease component for six, uh, a year without you know thinking about the other infrastructure and what you do with them? All right, and I'm even shocked that only just use a CBU because you are not going to get a product that can meet the standards in Ghana. So how are you going to sell the product? Unless we are only interested in you know stripping uh, the products apart and then sell it to other market for uh, uh, other refineries to then break it down, and that could only be a process to maybe source contraband products, strip them into pieces, and then go and refine them somewhere else. So, I mean, in the coming days, these are the issues that we'll be looking into. Why would they be interested in only the CDU? That will not produce products that will meet our local standards. And yes, that is the best option on the table uh, uh, for, for the Ghanaian people. We have tried to reach Tema Oil Refinery. We were not successful in getting an interview. This agreement that you saw, the contract you saw, was it between the management of Tor and Torrentco or the, manage or the Ministry of Energy? Who really is entering into this deal? I mean, those are questions that maybe lawyers can help us to actually deal with. The asset owner uh, is uh, Ministry of Finance and uh, uh, State Enterprises Commission. So uh, I don't know whether Paul, on his own, would be able to lease an asset without recourse to them. I've seen letters written by PPA directing them to go to the Ministry of Finance uh, to go and engage uh, 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 on that process. I don't know how far they have gone uh, uh, with that. 
But that is also another fundamental point to raise because the agreement is between Tor uh, and Torrentco. Uh, you know, seeking to leave the asset uh, uh, to and 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 we've understand the union chair because the company has not spoken to us. There will be a change of management, and it's interesting that is a management that is going to be changed that is entering into this deal. But again, how do you change management when they are only taking the CDU? The other infrastructure that uh, you know uh, uh, exists in the same compound. So where would the tour management sit to manage the other assets? Interesting. Uh, yeah. Final final issue. Um, Tor has been a problem problem child for this country. We've paid Tor debts. We've seen Tor shut down for years. Tor, the 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 engine or the Tor, the infrastructure that was set up decades ago, is not what we see now. And there's a huge Chinese refinery coming up just what 500 600 meters away from Tor, the Centio Oil, and and if that comes upstream. We worry for that state asset, the Tama oil refinery. There have always been demands and calls for the company to be revamped. If it has been idle anyway, and someone now wants to come to revamp it, should we be questioning insofar as it's going to be operational? Should we not just say, hooray, finally we have some solution? Yeah, I think you are just saying what is happening at this point, that um, somebody concludes that you know, the tour hasn't been operating, it hasn't been functional, not generating value, and therefore let me just hand it to somebody I want. That is not governance. That is not proper way of, uh, you know, dealing with these matters. We need to have the competency to, at the barest minimum, establish the value of the asset as it is, and determine what we want out of that asset, and then call for people who want to give us that value if they cannot give us what we want, then we negotiate from their perspective what they want to give us. As we speak, you and I do not know what value uh, Tor and its management is placing on the asset, for which reason they're only inviting one company to negotiate with and hand the asset to. You know, and that, the proper way to do is to have you know, that background work done, and then you call for tender. And as we speak, I mean, the last year alone, I've seen many companies interested in you know taking over the assets and the other speculative interests around it. So open it up, be transparent about it, ask for everybody who is interested and say, I want fifty want even one million or I don't even want money. Who wants it and what do you want to give me? And then you have bids that you can compare and choose the best out. And then the public will be interested in how you do that and agree with the process or disagree with it. You know, but to just select somebody because you think Thor is not making money and just give the company out in a manner that they are doing, I think it, it, it raises a lot of red flags. Uh, and even question whether uh, uh, the barest minimum that is being promised can even be delivered. Because, first of all, this is a company that was just set up uh, uh, this year in January. We don't trace them to any serious company that we can be comfortable and say that at least we know this reputable company is behind it. And for anything at all, you can call or shame them. I mean, this is a new company. They failed to deliver. New, new, company, no form, new company formed here in Ghana or abroad? Formed here in Ghana in 2023. So it's a local Correct. Ghanaian person or a possible Ghanaian partner that created this a company. Local Ghanaian company. This is a local Ghanaian company. Formed in 2023. January 2023 with no track record 
of even selling kerosene on the market before. With the purpose of taking over tour ultimately? I mean, their filing show that they can do many other things, uh, many other businesses, including refining. Right? But they don't have any track record of doing any petroleum business. Do we know yeah. who the owners are, the directors, maybe? Have you checked, have you checked with the registrar general or I should do that? Um, the, the data is available. I, I don't have it where I am right now, but the data is available. I can send them to the names are there. The registrar general data shows the specific individuals. I don't know them. Um, I've never heard of them. We've tracked and checked. Those individuals are not known in the industry or any, any industry uh, globally, in the oil industry globally. All right, uh, to show that they are able to deliver the value that they are promising uh, to us. And those are the red flags that are being raised, not just the source-source arrangement, which, of course, is already problematic, but, you know, the capacity of the company itself uh, to be able to deliver what they are promising to deliver. Thank you, Ben, for speaking to us. Right. That's Ben Boachi, he's executive director of the Africa Center for Energy Policy, ASAP. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Back, let's do some politics. PP flag bearer Hopebna Ichapon says he represents a new dawn for the party following 16 years of the Akufuado Baumia leadership. Mr. Japong, who filed his nomination to contest the party's presidential primaries, says he is on a redemption mission to create public-spirited citizens led by public servant politicians. The former press secretary to former president John Kufo spoke to the press after submitting his nomination forms. I think the party and the country deserves a new dawn, a new dimension, a new direction, the new energies, a new face that will be able to reconnect with the Ghanaian people and restore the confidence that Ghanaians have in constitutional democracy. That is what I represent. And I'm a very multi-layered individual, trained in the ethos of this political tradition right from 1992. I've worked with all the leaders of our party, Dubuahin, President Kufo, and now President Akufuado, and worked closely with them in various stages of my career. And as a civil engineer, I've worked in the public service, in the private sector as an engineering consultant. So I know the aspirations of the Ghanaian people and the sufferings they go through to do what they have to do to survive on a daily basis. And I do believe once we do that, set Ghana on a new course and get everybody to have a reorientation of what public service should mean to all of us Ghanaians, especially we the politicians who have the responsibility to lead. That is key to drive Ghana to the new level. What would be your assessment of the Kufuado-led government? I'm talking about what I want to do. That is what is important for me. I'm here to discuss my vision. It is the people of Ghana who pass judgment when they go to the polls. So it is not for me as a president to make that call. What is important is that I represent a new direction, a new hope, a new lease of life. And I think the country needs a new lease of life. And then that is what to encourage the youth, for them to feel that this is a country worth dying for. I want to reconnect with the youth. 
the sort of despondency you hear from the youth, as if nothing is going to work. Ghana is a beautiful country, it's got a bright future, and once we are able to have that firm, decisive leadership that has vitality and the energy, I think we can reconnect with the youth, empower them. Once we do so and save money from the waste that we see in the public sector, we can then raise the resources that are required to be able to empower the youth through technical education, entrepreneurship, and then self-reliance. Let them have the confidence and create opportunities for all in this country. That is what I stand for. Thank you. You have a fantastic message, but do you think that the board can start against you? No. In politics, before elections are ballots are counted, nobody knows who's going to win. I've been around politics for so long, you never know. It's, we leave it in the hands of the, the, the delegates to decide. And I've, I've, I've spoken to them. That was the former press secretary to former president Kufuan Flagbera hopeful of the new patriotic party Kwabna Ejei Japong. Also member of parliament for Asin Central Kennedy Japong and energy specialist Francis Kujun Safuapuku also filed their nominations today. Let's head to the central region because in preparation for the upcoming by-election on June 27 in the Asin North constituency, senior officers from the Ghana Police Service have been deployed to the area. The Inspector General of Police, Dr. Kufudampare, has initiated the security tour to assess the overall security situation in the constituency before that crucial poll. The dispatched officers include the Director General of the Motor Traf Traffic and Transport Department, COP Francis Doku, the Director General of Services, COP Inok Bediakon, the Temad Regional Commander, COP Ousue Friye, and the whole Regional Commander, DCOP Andrews Buedu Ekuma, among others. During one of the engagements in the Asin Benue area, the police urged community members to promptly report any suspicious acts of violence or individuals with the potential to disrupt the elections in any manner. Next week, we all know that the by-election will be ongoing. So if you see us here, it means we are here for a good cause. We advise that if you do not have anything to do at the polling station or the coalition center, please stay at home and watch all the proceedings live on TV or listen on radio. We are here to protect you and we wish that you also cooperate with us by reporting anyone or any person who you think can be suspects of violence. That day, you will see most of our senior police officers here, as well as several police officers. Please do not be scared, because we will act professionally. Uh, 
There were here emergency numbers. There were emergency numbers. Who fray our police breakfast is here. So that was an engagement between senior officers of the Ghana Police Service and constituents of Asin North ahead of that crucial by-election next week, Tuesday. Now to the court. The High Court in Accra has ruled to allow the NDC parliamentary candidates for Asin North to be absent in court on Friday. This follows adjournment of the sentence to Friday, where a ruling will be given on the motion by James Jachikwesen for the court to vary its orders to hear the matter on daily basis. Attorney General Godfrey Yebwadame raised the preliminary objection to a supplementary affidavit to the motion on grounds that the motion was not proper before the court as lawyers of Jachikwesen did not seek leave of the court to file the affidavit and the facts adduced in it were not relevant to the case. Counsel for the defendant, Chachuchikata, moved the application for the variation of the order to set daily. He insisted that the decision to contest in the by-election in Asin North is a national duty and hence the trial should be conducted in a manner that would not impede this obligation. While the judge, after hearing the arguments, deferred the ruling to Friday, June 23, while allowing a prayer by the accused to be absent on the next agent date. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Netele Neti Ajahu. Let's settle for the details now. The services and agri sectors have pushed Ghana's economy to expand by 4.2% in 2023 quarter one. This is compared to the 3.1% recorded during the same period last year. This is also according to data released by the Ghana Statistical Service. Here's the government statistician Professor Samuel Koblenyi providing more insights into the key factors driving the economy's growth. In terms of the growth rate that we are seeing, the main drivers of the growth rate that we are seeing for the first quarter of 2023 is largely driven by the services sector, which grew by 10.1%, which was driven by public administration, and what we are seeing from the agricultural sector, which grew by 4.8%. So from that broad perspective, that is the three-sector perspective, the two sectors that have contributed to the 4.2% growth rate is largely as a result of services, 10.1%, and agriculture, 4.8%. What is important for us is not these three broad um, classifications, but the subsectors that we have under these three um, broad classifications. As I've, as I've indicated already, within services is public administration, but within agriculture, what we saw is the growth rate in livestock, which grew by 6.6%. So although livestock saw the highest growth rate, because crop has the highest weight of 43% at its share within the agriculture sector, it really contributed more to the growth rate in the agriculture sector, keeping in mind that Crops of which cocoa is a component also grew in the first quarter of 2023, although its growth rate was relatively slower than what we saw in the livestock subsector. Professor Samuel Kobnenim is a government statistician. 
African central banks are being encouraged to prefer innovative policies that will mitigate the negative impacts of external shocks on its local economies. This follows the recent outbreak of the COVID-19 pandemic and the impasse between Russia and Ukraine. Speaking on the panel discussion at the 30th AGM of AfriExim Bank in Accra, Governor of the Bank of Ghana, Dr. Ernest Addison, underscored the need for policies that will strengthen the economic buffers of the continent. Poverty and unemployment is a reflection of weak growth in, in our respective regions. Now, our central bank, our key contribution to all of this is to create that environment that helps to sustain growth uh, through the financial sector policies that we implement. Uh, if you look at the impact of global shocks, the impact on African countries is similar to the impact on the Caribbean countries as well. So we all need to put into place policies that enhances our buffers so that we are able to withstand a lot of these shocks and that emanate from the global Dr. Ernest Addison is the governor of the Bank of Ghana. The WIPA Authority has successfully completed the construction of its pioneering 5 megawatts floating solar project, making it the first of its kind in the sub-region. The commissioning of this project is anticipated to take place later this year. The authority initially embarked on the floating solar project with a capacity of 1 megawatt and subsequently expanded it by adding an additional 4 megawatts. The ambitious plan to also further scale up the project to an impressive 65 megawatts. The Deputy Director of Renewable Energy at the Bipo Authority, Peter Champon, has been speaking to City Business News about the project. We have a 5 megawatt peak of solar PV mounted on our reservoir, the Bui Generating Reservoir. We, in 2021, we commissioned the first of its kind, 1 megawatt, and then the Authority Bui, we pride ourselves with being the first in implementing innovative projects. So we scaled it up by adding an additional 4 megawatt to make it 5 megawatts you see. What you see behind you is generating. We are currently uh, undergoing pre-commissioning tests to make sure that all the components are generating as expected. After 2021, we had wanted to even scale it up just after because we as a company, normally when we are doing projects, we want to start small and then scale it up big when we have all the experiences, all the experiences and then expertise that we have. So what you can see, yes, truly is 5 megawatts, which has been connected to the grid and we are generating. There are plans to scale it up. But we is, the scaling up is not being done in isolation. It's being done based on the what we call the Renewable Energy Master Plan that the country has. So our scaling up is dependent on that. So yes, there's, there are plans to scale it up up to a maximum of uh, 60, 65 megawatts on, the, on, on water. Peter Champon is the Deputy Director of Renewable Energy at the WIPA Authority. And that's it for City Business News on Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Netelinete Ajahu. Have a good evening. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens.